welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. This morning and we heard a wonderful word from the Lord. How many was here and enjoyed that word this morning? Amen, amen, amen. That was fantastic. We're excited to have the Shaw family with us. So great. They made the trip all the way from Canada. Uh, and I just believe that God wants to speak to this church uh, tonight. Do we believe that? Why don't we give a hand clap of praise unto Jesus as Brother Shaw comes to preach the word. Come on, why don't you turn that to the Lord. Let's give God praise right now. Let's magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Let's give him praise tonight. We're in no rush. Where I've been preaching long enough that whatever I need to cut to make sure you get to bed on time, I can do. But when Jesus is in the room, let's respond to the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you, we praise you, we praise you. Bless that wonderful name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord. Turn with me to Acts chapter 4. Once again, such an honor to be here. So thankful. Um, so thankful that you've allowed me to come. Thank you, Pastor, um, for the privilege of being here. I, I don't take any invitation, any any church anywhere lightly, it's always a privilege, so thank you very much, um, and uh, for, for founded, it's a small world that people in my church that serve on our leadership team and uh, were uh, Bible, fellow Bible college students with, with you and your wife, and just goes to show you kind of how small the family of God, how tight-knit it is, and isn't that cool? I mean, I had no idea that there was a connection um, with friendship to all the way all the way back home here at our church, and so that's that's been great. Um, let's jump into the word of the Lord, shall we tonight? Acts chapter four, um, verses eighteen through twenty-one, and then twenty-three through thirty. The word of the Lord says to us tonight. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered, uh, No. Uh, and the Adam Shaw summary here um, said to them whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard so when they had further threatened them they let them go finding no way of punishing them because of the people since they all glorified God for what had been done and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and the elders said to them. So when they heard that, they raised the church. When they, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them. Who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? Sometimes it's good. It's nothing to do with my message, but sometimes it's good to remind yourself and to remind the Lord of what he's already said about what he's going to do when you're in situations just like that. But you just write that down, do that this week. 
The kings of the earth took their stand, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And for the next little bit, I won't preach long tonight because I feel what the Holy Ghost wants me to do is just declare over you the purpose and plan of God and you by faith receive it so that you can respond to what the Spirit of the Lord will uniquely do in your life in this altar call tonight. So I'm here to preach to you the word and then you're going to respond to it and Jesus is going to do something in you that no amount of rhetorical flourish on my behalf could ever do in your life. And so I wanna, with the help of the Lord, I want to preach to you today on this subject, no retreat. No retreat. Father, you're in this house today. And I know, Lord, that you want to move on your people. God, you did some great things in us today. And Lord God, you want to equip us, Lord, from your word. So that we can walk in what you have already done in our lives this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would get your mind, the mind that was in the church in Acts 4. That, Lord Jesus, we would capture your spirit for the hour, Lord, that we are in right now as a culture, as a country, as a kingdom. And I pray that you would be with us. I pray that your spirit would anoint and empower me. Give us ears to hear what the spirit would say to the church. Lord Jesus, God, and I pray that your spirit would confirm your word with signs following. We pray tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I was listening to a podcast the other day called Hardcore History. The reason why it's called Hardcore History is because unlike most history podcasts that the episodes are 20 minutes, 25 minutes with a few promos, maybe 45 minutes, each episode is between two and a half to three hours long. Hence the term, you got to be really into history to want to listen to this. This particular, this particular episode was, was called Blueprint for Armageddon. It was on the First World War. And about two hours into describing, that's right, I didn't misspeak, two hours into describing a French retreat, not the war, a single retreat from the, from the French in the First World War, the, the, the host, Dan Carlin, paused to make a profound comment on where the true loss of life comes from in trench warfare or ancient combat like this. He said, if you look at where people die in warfare, they die in the pursuit. In ancient warfare, comparatively few people die in the battle. They died while being pursued after the battle. And he said in my, my study of the first world war. The greatest loss of life. Came during the retreats. And this was not just the opinion of a researcher. 
But even the great General Napoleon had this to say on one of his maxims on war. In a retreat besides honor, more life is lost than in two battles. Carlin, after making the quote from the great General Napoleon, he had this which arrested my attention to say. He said, the job of the battle is to get the other side to turn and run. And when they turn and run, you crush them. Well, I had to pull over the side of the road and start making some notes. Because I never knew that. And immediately the psalmist words came to my mind in Psalm 74, 21. Do not let the oppressed retreat in disgrace. May the poor and the needy praise your name. See, because in retreat is panic and chaos. It is the abandonment of the line. Where people drop their weapons, they forget their cause, they forget their allegiances, and they begin to, they begin to run. They lose the fidelity for which they, and the cause for which they said was worthy of their blood and sacrifice. And instead of loyalty and purpose, the only thing pounding in their head is survival. I'm here to preach to you on this Sunday night that we are in a fight. That living for God is not a walk in the park. It is not a journey on a beach. It is not a trip through the sand but it is a battle I heard one author put it this way he said the moment you are born again it's like the heavens put a parachute on your back and kicked you out of an airplane and dropped you on the front line of the enemy because living for God is a battle being a follower of Jesus Christ is a struggle and I don't say this to be creepy or weird because I'm not one of those guys but you got a very real enemy that resists you that resists your family and resists the church of the living God and I'm going to preach to you that like the armies of ancient combat your enemy's job is to fight you until you begin to retreat the function of every spiritual battle is to get you to retreat for you to get so overwhelmed and so tired that your disciplines give way to panic and to fear. For you to get so overwhelmed and so tired that you lose your resolve. You lose the why you got into this thing in the first place. You lose your sense of destiny and you lose your sense of purpose. Then as you begin to run, he'll try to smash you into the ground. So you never fast like that again. You never give like that again. You never pray or worship or sacrifice like that ever again. But when you run, you're vulnerable. When you run, you can't fight back. When you retreat, you're exposed and you're open. You lose your cause. You lose your sense of purpose. You lose why you're in this spiritual battle in the first place. 
And if I could make direct application to the 21st century, the particular area of time that we find ourselves in right now, I have found that the greatest thing that we are fighting in this moment, in this era of culture, is the spirit of fear. We are fighting the spirit of fear right now in our culture and in our world. And here's how the spirit of fear works. You, when you the spirit of fear takes your mind over, you lose all memory of God's past victories. You lose all recall of God's past triumphs. You see no potential future. You just see the torment of your present moment. And the now that you're in is magnified. And all you seek is relief. In the past 19 years of pastoral ministry, I have watched people in the fight start to run. People who tear up a Sunday night altar call, worshiping, that fill a row on a friend's Sunday of people needing the Holy Ghost, start running. I've watched, I've watched as young adults get lonely and they get into the wrong relationship with somebody they should never have been involved in in the first place. You ask yourself, why are they doing that? Why are they making that decision? Why are they going down that road? They're running. They're in retreat. Looking for an out. I've watched as people move away. They say, oh, pastor, we'll watch online. But they'll move away to where there is no church. Or they'll start working a job that takes them completely away from the house. I understand that there are times where we got to be gone. There are times where we work shift work. But I'm talking where you make a choice to add something new to your life that takes you out of the house of God. Or worse yet, people begin to get offended. And rather than confront the pain of their offense and rather than taking their offense to their offender and restoring the relationship they began to withdraw and let bitterness run its course or disagree with pastoral teaching or advice and begin to build a wall between the shepherd for your family and your soul what are you doing when you do that you're running doesn't feel like it but you're running. But Adam, I'm still coming to church. Yeah, you are. But your soul is running. Life gets overwhelming and the attack's so tiring. So you think that what you need is a break from church, a break from worship, a break from the house of God. I'll just show up maybe once a month or once every other month. What are you doing when you face those types of decisions and you begin to act upon them? You're in retreat. You're beginning to run away. The enemy is beginning to push you exactly where he wants you because I want you to hear this preacher tonight. The devil is not afraid of your talents. He doesn't care how good you are at anything. The enemy does not care about your abilities. He couldn't give a rip about how much money you make or how much time that you've got to give because all of those can be surrendered, negotiated away, or compromised. But the enemy is terrified of your tenacity because if there is one thing the enemy of the church cannot handle and that's a child of God who refuses to quit a child of God that in their spirit begins to say there is no retreat in me there is no retreat in my faith there is no retreat in my worship clap your hands to the Lord right now
our text drops us into the middle of a conflict that arises from the miracle of the lame man in Acts 3. So Acts 3, there's this man, he's been lame his whole life, and Peter and he comes up to him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he grabbed him by the hand and he leaping up stood and walking to the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And everyone's like, wow. So they preach Jesus. And after preaching, to the gathered crowd, because the purpose of miracles is always to proclaim the name of Jesus. It's not always just for your life improvement. It's to give an atmosphere for a testimony about the power of Jesus to be proclaimed to people who do not believe in him. As Peter and John find themselves arrested, as a result, roughed up, and tossed in a jail overnight. Now, if you want to make anyone, if you want to make a preacher especially, second guess what they have done on this Sunday night, you jump them in the parking lot after church and then throw them in jail and don't let them out till Monday morning. So the next day, they're dragged before the judges and the scribes. They're brought before the high priest, and they are interrogated. And finally, they are threatened. You're never to preach, teach, proclaim, pray, do nothing in the name of Jesus Christ ever again. But I want you to listen to their response to the rulers and to the Lord. They said in Acts chapter 4 verse 20, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. I don't think we understand the, the profundity of the words that they've spoken. See, because we are in a guilt and innocence culture in America, we where right is right for the most part, it's changed, and we'll talk about that in a second. And wrong is wrong, and 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 that's where we make that's where we make decisions. But the apostles live in an honor shame culture, which means to act outside of the step of the broader culture is to not just be considered wrong or weird or strange, but it's like the turn of the century, 20th Pentecostal movement, where if you chose Jesus, you were considered to be an ostracized outsider you are to be shamed for believing in Jesus outsiders in your own home amongst your own countrymen for what you believe it meant that their families would not be able to go to school. It meant that they would lose their jobs. It meant that they would not be able, if they lived in today's culture, you couldn't get a loan at a bank. You couldn't get a career. You couldn't get into a college or a school. You'd be deplatformed on social media. This was what it was. If you don't fall in step with the overlords of our culture, we're going to squeeze you and until you relent and until you give in. But in the face of pressure and with the threat of shame the apostle said we won't stop in fact we can't stop but I want you to listen to what they also said to the Lord after they faced the threatenings and the beatings. They said, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching out your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Here's the summary of what they said. Retreat is not an option. There is no quit. 
that in us. In fact, their message was, God, do it again. God, help to do more of this. God, help us to go forward. Their response to trouble in their life was not defensive. It wasn't to throw the walls up, but it was to go on the offensive and say, Jesus, whatever it takes, help us to repeat this miracle again. God, make us brave. God, made, they never prayed once. God, don't let the bad culture mess us up again. They never prayed once. Lord, let this never get beaten anymore, otherwise we'll quit. No, they said, God, make us braver, make us bolder, so no matter what the enemy does, we will have faith in you. Hey, we're being taken from their home. They were being thrown in jail. They were being ostracized. For the, this wasn't just mean tweets on the internet. There was a real cost to standing for Jesus. But the prayer of the church was God do it again. And their tenacity confused the rulers. They're like, how is this? I mean, we beat you with sticks. We ripped your shirt off, and then we made fun of you. And then in Acts 4.13, they said, When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and then they realized they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing next to them, seeing the results of bold, unretreated faith in their midst, they could say nothing against it. The enemies of the church could say nothing against it. I want to say this again. The devil does not know how to deal with an apostolic church that refuses to compromise, that refuses to quit, that refuses to surrender. The devil doesn't know how to handle a senior citizen or a young adult or a teenager that says I don't care what culture says or does. Take this whole world but give me Jesus. Take this whole world but give this or anybody here that you are identifying with the church and you've got something in your soul that says God's been too good to me. God's been too faithful to me. I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to quit on Jesus. Lift your hands to the Lord right now and give him praise. Hallelujah. Uh, See, I'm preaching this because God did some stuff this morning. God did some stuff in a bunch of people this morning. And I, I'm not saying this because I'm spooky or I want to make you feel afraid. But tomorrow morning, you're going to face a battle in your head. The more that you pray this morning and the more that God touched you and changed and transformed your mind. The more opposition that you may face to question the work of the Spirit in your life. But even in a broader sense, we are right now facing a squeezing of our culture. 
I know in my own country that Canada has shifted from a typical Western guilt-innocent culture to one that is driven by shame and honor. No longer is it about whether or not your moral or scriptural position is right, but it's if you are in step with the new cultural norms. And if you're not, you're to be shamed. If there are certain things that I were to preach out about behind my pulpit or I were to give pastoral advice about in my office, I could go to prison for upwards of 10 years right now in a country just four hours away. I could be in Windsor in four hours. There are things that if I talked about here, that if I talked about at home, that I would be deplatformed, I could be sued, and if I used my pastoral authority explain to somebody what the scripture says and I would say this is not God's will for your life this is a sin and you need to turn and you need to repent I'd be put in jail for a longer period than if I were a predator or if I were someone that harmed kids or harmed ladies that's that's where that's where I live okay so I'm just preaching from my context we are facing a squeezing in our culture that says conform to our mold conform to our worldview conform to our values or else or else you will be ostracized or else you will be shamed or else you will be considered to be dumb or you will be considered to be intolerant but what God is looking for in this end time church is for somebody to make up their mind like the apostles did in their day and say there is no retreat in my values, in my doctrine, in my morality, in my lifestyle, in my commitment to Jesus Christ. I'm still going to believe that narrow is the way, that broad is the gate that leads to destruction. I'm still going to proclaim that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and that no one can come to the, it's only by the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody in the fight that you have been facing opposition in your spirit, you need to announce, I am going forward. There is no retreat in me. I want to quickly before I, and I, I'm not ready to quit yet, so musicians don't come. I'm just, we're getting there, okay? I want to give you four things that you've got to go forward in, that you cannot afford to retreat in as individuals, as families, and as the church. Number one, someone has to say, I'm going forward in my faith. I'm going forward in my faith and the supremacy, the sovereignty, and the goodness of God. I refuse to become disillusioned by the struggle that is presently in my life. Life is often hard. Amen. Life is often full of struggles. But if you are going to become who God wants you to become, and if you as a church will see revival the way that God wants you to see revival, you've got to say we're going to keep believing in the promises of God. Every prophetic word that God's spoken over our lives and over our church, we are going to believe for it. We are going to pray for it. We're not going to give up. People may come and people may go, but his word is forever settled in heaven. 
Number two, we're going to go forward in our service. And we're going to go forward in our giving. That God has called us. God has purpose for us. And we have never seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging bread. That if I continue to put God first. That God is recession proof. He owns it all to begin with. And so his provision for my life will not be impacted by the status of the economy. I live in one of the, mo- the third most expensive city in North America and I I have watched as young adults have given their all to the kingdom of God and God has provided for them homes below market value when there has been competitive buying going on in the market where the average sale of a home is one million dollars I have watched as young adults that have put God first all of a sudden find favor with people that are selling homes they have decided that they were going to move that they were going to give their all to the house of God And the place that God had planted them. And they were going to give their all to Jesus. And God, not only one young couple, gave them a new home. But when they got and they realized that things like toilet paper and soap cost money, they started to pray that God would raise their income. And God doubled both of their incomes in a single week. Why? Because when you go forward in your service and in your sacrifice, God is faithful to you. Go forward in my faithfulness, committed to my prayer and my fasting, all of my disciplines. Number three, I'm going forward. Sorry, number four, I'm going forward in my worship. One of the things I loved about this worship service today and tonight is that it was passionate and it was demonstrable. Because one of the markers of the apostolic church is passionate worship. One of the markers of an apostolic Pentecostal church is that when we gather together and we lift up the name of Jesus, I don't care what I look like. I am going to obey the word of God. I'm going to clap my hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. I'm going to praise God in worship. I'm going to praise God in singing. I refuse to stop dancing. I refuse to stop running the aisles. I refuse to quit coming to the altar. I refuse to quit clapping my hands in every season of life that I find myself in whether in victory or in perceived defeat. I'm going to worship God. So whether I feel good in my body or I feel pain in my body I will bless the Lord at all times and His praise shall continually The reason why you need to go forward tonight is because this region and this generation is counting on you. It is counting on an apostolic church in Acts chapter 3 and Acts chapter 4. There were a host of lost and unsaved people that could not afford to have Peter and James and John and Bartholomew and the rest of the people of God quit on the Lord because times were tough. If they were going to ever be saved, if they were ever going to hear about the blood, if they were ever going to hear that Jesus died for them, if they were ever going to see any more miracles beyond the layman, if they were ever going to have their ears unstopped and their limbs straightened and their addictions broken, it was going to be because there was a church that refused to retreat. And I'm here. 
to give you this promise tonight. And this is not deep, I know. This is stuff you all know. But God sent me here to remind you. Sometimes what we need is not something deeper. But it's to act on what we know God has already said. And here is the promise from the Lord. From this passage and this story here tonight. That if you will go forward. If you will say no retreat. I promise you that God will be with you. That if tomorrow morning when you wake up and you face an overwhelming assault on your mind. But you will make up, you will talk back to yourself. You'll talk back to the thoughts in your head. And you will say, the Lord healed me on Sunday morning on November the 13th. If you will say, the Lord touched my mind. The Lord healed my emotions. The Lord reminded me when the enemy says that God's abandoned you. And that you're not like all of those other people at church. That you are somehow uniquely broken or uniquely bad or uniquely forsaken. But if you will make up your mind and you'll talk back to that voice and say, no, God is with me. The Lord is beside me. Jesus loves me. And I choose to walk in my healing. God will be with you. And you show up on midweek. And you say, lift your hands and begin to sing. And begin to worship. I want to promise you tonight. God rewards faithfulness. God sticks with his people. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 9 said, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We shall reap. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. Second Chronicles, if you need another verse. 15 verse 7. Musicians, please come. Be ye strong therefore, and let, let not your hands be weak. For your work might, no, perhaps, no, shall be rewarded. I'm here to declare over your life that you serve a good God. That you serve a just God. He has not given up on you. He has not retreated in your defense. He has not retreated in your favor. So don't you dare back up for him and he will be with you. If you believe that tonight, clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise. God's not abandoned you in your struggle. He's not abandoned you in your calamity. You serve a God who is here to help you. And if you don't give up, if you don't quit, if you refuse to backslide, if you refuse to give up your worship, if you refuse to turn back on Jesus, the Lord will be with you. That's chapter 4 and verse 31. Stood the scribes, the Pharisees, and the high priest. And they said, Nah, we ain't gonna quit. And they went back to the Lord and they're like, Okay, you're gonna have to help us because we said we weren't gonna quit. And 
obviously they're beating us up. So we, we, we could we could use a little bit of help because that's a little hard to deal with. And they said, God, make us bold. God, make us brave. God, help us not to give up. God, do more of this even if it costs us more of that. Verse 31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled. This is very important. This is the operative phrase in the story. They prayed, God help us. God stand with us. God make us brave. God perform more miracles and we'll take more steps of faith. And when they were done, it said they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And then they spake the word of God with boldness. After they made the commitment, God, no retreat. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and God gave them boldness and they were not afraid. I want you to hear me tonight. They made a choice and the Holy Ghost gave them the power to fulfill that choice. Here, God's not leaving you on your own. God's not abandoning you to fight by yourself. I'm not preaching bootstrap positive thinking where you got to drag yourself out of your struggle. I'm just saying you make up your mind. There's no good in my faith. And the Holy Ghost will give you the power to fight back. The Holy Ghost will give you the strength strength to not turn around. They prayed, Lord, help us. And God said, okay, I'll help you. Okay, I'll help you. Okay, I'll anoint you. All God is looking for is for you to stand to your feet right now. No matter what you got going on in your life. Say, God, I'm not quitting. God, I'm not turning back. God, I will not lose my faith. Lord, I'm going to maintain my passion. Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. Lord, I'm going to stay committed to you. All God is waiting on is for you to make the choice and become available to the Spirit. The Holy Ghost gave them the power to back up their tough talk to their enemies of the church. The Holy Ghost gave them the power to back up the bold prayers they prayed in the presence of God. There were people here this morning. You nailed to this altar. You lifted your hands to God and you let the Holy Ghost invade your brokenness and your trauma and you said, God, I'm not going to let this define me ever again. I'm going to go forward in my purpose and you're afraid now you're afraid you're going to go back you're afraid that your faith is going to crumble again I'm here to tell you all you got to do is make the commitment and Jesus Christ will give you the power to fulfill it this is the power of the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit will give you the strength 
to keep on fighting just like he did the book of Acts church this is not about you being stronger this is not about you being tougher this is not about you being better this is not about you trying harder this is about you making up your mind and letting he who raised from the dead quicken your mortal body on Monday morning so that you can live for Jesus the way that he intended you to live I preach what the word of the Lord has for you here tonight. And what God is looking for now is for people to begin to make their way to this altar and begin to pray that prayer of commitment and begin to say, Lord, I don't care what happens in my life. I don't care what adversity stands in my way. Lord Jesus, this church is going to go forward in your purpose. This church is going to go forward in revival. Lord, my family, Lord, we fought some battles. We've suffered some losses. We've taken some hits. But Lord, make us bold. God, make us brave. And if you'll come with that prayer, there will come a rushing mighty wind into your life. I said, I invite you to come. You make that first step. You begin to pray that first prayer. And the Holy Ghost will give you the power. The Holy Ghost will give you the anointing. Come on, call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. And let the power of the Holy Ghost do the work in your life. Oh, 